0: what's up everybody it's your coach welcome back to the number one show slanging positivity 24 7 all over the internet in your face going hard doing our thing episode seeing a hundo a hundred episode 100 of the coach hp show now, in all honesty, I I really have more episodes than 100, but I never specifically put out 100, so I wanted the 101 to be special. I had certain guests in mind. Some lined up to do the 100th episode. But I said, you know what? Let me do a little state of the union of what's going on with the show, what I feel, my experiences, my awesome weekend my week, all these things, so that's it, that's where I want to make episode 100, but if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast, give me a comment, rate it, whatever it is, this is for the people, this show will always go on, no matter what I'm doing in life, I'm going to give you guys this show, let's get into this, 100 episodes, What I've learned in this hundred episodes, what I've done right, what I've done wrong. Let me start with what I've done wrong. Let's start with the wrong stuff first. What what I need to work on more. Obviously, listen, the hardest stuff for me, particularly about doing a show, is the operation side. I'm good at getting guests. I'm good at uh, staying constant with them. I'm good at uh, promoting it. What I'm hard at what it's hard for me to do is the logistics side of editing the podcast. Sometimes I don't edit it, giving it an intro, giving it an outro, stuff like that. I think I could do more. Sometimes I just pop them out just to keep them going. So maybe in that aspect I could do I could do a little more. So that's the number one thing. This this past probably year in general, but the past two months, it's been crazy for me because with With two little kids, the oldest one, Penelope, who turns three next month. We started her in camp first, and she got sick at camp, so we had to have her at home. Then we put her in school, then she got sick in school. Then somebody got COVID in the school, so the school shut down for a certain time. It's been crazy. Between the the baby has a babysitter but then he didn't have a babysitter but then he has a babysitter again with Cruz. so it's been baby city here 24 7 lucky enough my wife my wife does a lot of her work from home also so she's helped but it's it's a lot it's a lot to when you have kids that young that don't entertain themselves so from what i've seen you're either entertaining them they're in a crib being entertained to a certain point. Then they start crying or they're sleeping. That's pretty much it. Or then you got to feed them, change them, bathe them, that stuff. So it has been pretty crazy on that end. No excuses. Just sharing you guys what's going on. So that's that's what's hurt me on the show. I think more. And at some point when we do get the budget, I'll have somebody edit them and put them out. So I don't have to do this anymore. I just come come on the mic and destroy and get out of here. So those are the things that I that I have to work on as this show keeps going on till I get the team to keep attacking it. Positive stuff, hundreds, 100 shows. Man, it's been awesome. The people I've been able to get, the people I've spoken with, comedians, athletes, CEOs, actors, authors, everything it has been amazing boxers fighters coaches it has been awesome it's so cool to be able to talk to people about stuff that you want to share and hear their stories and how they feel and what they do obviously all the people at barstool sports from America being the first guest to all the other people i've got and that's been awesome so that has been phenomenal That has been really good for the show tough part of the show is a lot of people man and this is one of the things that i go through that i try to as i do what i do i try to i try to spread my life into in two ways for people to to see in two areas number one in really that i'm really heavy on is sporting parents with their kids and then it becomes everything i mean sporting acting music parents whatever it is with their kids that relationship, how to navigate, how to deal with stuff, stuff like that, and then the second thing is people. Usually in college, maybe high schoolers too. But usually in college, maybe ex-athletes, ex-marine guys that I could help anybody, ex-anything that are now in the real world, trying to find happiness, trying to make their mark. That's my second audience. Those are my two audiences right there that I really try to gear everything i say and every experience that i have and every failure that i've had and every success is those are my two markets those are my two markets the hardest thing that has been about the show that isn't in a technical place but that i've gone through on the show is when you have a guest that's a big guest that's really well known that's very successful and they come and they promise you something or they tell you something an example if they come and tell you, man, I would love to have your show on my network, or I see you're great, or you have all these great things, and I want to introduce you to this person, I want to do this with you, and I want to do that with you, when you have that, or another example is, dude, come on to to my show, and let's do this, let's do that, let's let's put, um, come to my facility, I'll do all these things, when people do that, And they don't follow through. That expectation. Ironically I said this in a post yesterday. When I was at Barstool Sports. That expectation is the hardest thing. Is the hardest thing. For so many reasons. Because. A. You get your hopes up. B. You want to believe people. C. These things can really change your life. But what I've learned. And the reason why. I compare this to when I used to act. When I acted in Los Angeles, it was the worst because all the pressure would be on this one or two or three of your lucky audition a year. So if you only have one audition a year, you're going to treat that audition. Not only are you going to do try your best, but you're going to be nervous. You're going to be shaky. You're not going to be as smooth and and it's a disaster. And then what else was my problem in LA? What else am I going to do? You're there to act, but you're not getting any auditions. You don't have an agent. What do you do? And you find that you're not really passionate about it. Luckily with this show, you don't have that problem because you can always create and always do things. So my answer is, if you're in a position where people and even famous people that could change your life, that could give you the opportunity, the exposure that you need to take it to the next level when they start lying acting crazy they get amnesia they forget the answer to everything is you keep doing your content you keep doing your show and eventually eventually like in vegas shout out to vegas i was just there i'll give you my vegas story recap of that coming up but just like the house always wins Or at some point the house wins. Your dream or your opportunity will hit. Because it's a numbers game. You keep having more guests on. You keep impacting people. You keep building relationships. You keep creating awareness. You keep providing value. You help people. One person's going to see it. Hear it and go. I like this. I like this person. I need you to do this for me. Come join the team. And they'll stick with their word. All you need is one. That's why this is crazy. You just need one person. So of the... Probably 15 people that I've had that are famous, that are really well known, that have all the contacts, that have told me stuff. The right one with the timing hasn't showed up yet of those people. So we're waiting. I'm waiting on that. So that's what I've learned. Positive thing with the show. I have somebody, a private person from the private sector that wants to donate a good amount of money. To the show we're still waiting on my negotiation with him if he lets me do we, i still have to go meet him if he lets me do what i gotta do and i can say whatever i want to say there's a good chance i'm going to do it if he tells me i can't talk about this or i can't talk about that then definitely i'm not doing it but that's a real good sign so once we get the financial backing of a solid one then we could focus on maybe a team then we'll focus on getting maybe a studio in a cool area where I could get guests because I haven't I have yet to do since I started the show in the pandemic, I do them out of the studio at my house. But I don't have too many people in my house that I don't know. And then if they bring guests and I have two little kids and their their sleeping schedules and the focusing, so That'd be the other step, the studio, where people can come to me, I can host them, and we can destroy, have the four, three-camera system with an editor sitting there, where they really help out, and they they make the show the show. So far, it's been a one-man show. I get the guests, I think of what I'm going to talk about, I do the show, and then I edit it after, and I post it after. So expectation guys expectations for me has been really 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 hard so think about that manage your expectations with your show that's episode 100 which was awesome let me talk this weekend first let me talk about vegas so for people that don't know i lived in vegas for four years my vegas experience was the best of all time living there I moved there in 2011 in December. I got the tattoo to prove it. I moved to Vegas with some money, probably the most money I've ever had at the time in my life. So I had ammo and I did it right. I was lucky enough. Shout out to my man, Steve Dunn. I moved there with a paid full G-Wagon that got me there. So I didn't have the car payment. I was able to, to get a great spot. At the aria hotel there at the mandarin oriental at the time so i lived there i spent zero money on furniture i just had a tv with like a twenty dollar and a small tv like a 22 inch flat screen with a, a stand that i got at walmart shout out to my very good friend whitney hammond who built it for me that I don't know how to build. and then I put a mattress, I put it on the floor and I just attacked. I attacked 24/7. I didn't worry about anything else. I got shout out to my boy Dove out there in Sushia in Los Angeles. He donated me, he got me as a as a gift. He got me a suit. There was a guy that worked at the club my man called me his uncle i believe or his dad had a suit place there at the boulevard mall off the the strip and i went there and i got two black suits with shoes tailored the hell out of them they looked like tom ford suits i bought one tom ford black tie and i went to work and i attacked i started off as a promoter At a club called Hyde and the Bellagio. And I worked my way up to becoming director of customer development for Hyde at the Bellagio. At the beginning when I would go to stores and I would meet people. People would tell me oh don't worry about it. Once this thing goes your life will change and the money big money will come in. And boy were they right. Vegas for me was the greatest part professionally of my life. It's the first time I got my parents' respect and anything I did. It's the first time I saw economic success. And it was just a great time in Vegas. They were just turning. Vegas was just turning into what it's it's become now. I got to go to all of the, while I was there, Mayweather fights, the most hyped one. While I was there was uh, Mayweather Pacquiao. That was crazy. But I also went to Mayweather Canelo, Mayweather, and a, a bunch of them, which was awesome i got to see that i didn't do a lot of ufc because i wasn't into ufc yet so i didn't do a lot of ufc but those fights for me that experience that everything was insane and then i got to travel the world because we we would consult we would help other nightclubs that would pay us to do that so i got to go to ibiza i got to go to greece i gotta go to montenegro serbia places like that in Europe, which was awesome, got to go to Mexico, all of my Chicago, New York, Miami, open places, all those things, amazing, so that was my Vegas experience, which crushed it, in fact, if it wasn't for Vegas, I never would have met my wife, who, yes, we, we went to high school together, but the only reason I linked up with her was because She reached out to me to do her best friend's bachelorette party. If not, there'd be no wife. There'd be no kids. So Vegas was so special. With that said, when I came from my trip from San Diego, we spent two nights in Vegas at the Aria Hotel. Man, has Vegas changed. New rules with the COVID thing is a complete nightmare. I don't know why anybody would go to Vegas now. You really got to want a party to go to Vegas because a you have to have a mask on now they just put it back on everywhere you go except if you're in the pool or if you're eating or maybe at a bar so even while you're playing while you sit there gambling which is i don't care how much money you have is stressful enough as it is because you're there attacking you have to wear the stupid mask so that experience sucks for us me and my wife I thought I was going to be able to play. That ruined it, so I didn't play at all, nothing. She's never played with me before. I've, she never sat down with me and watched me gamble. Historically, I've been very good at the tables and at sports betting. I have a good little thing for that. I didn't want to ruin that first experience with me wearing a mask or having to wear a mask, and we can enjoy it. So I didn't do any of that. We were going to do a club when we got there. But we were just dead from the weekend before, from the days before, from San Diego and that whole event and all stuff. So nothing going out. We pretty much, we got there and it was all about Javier's, the amazing Mexican restaurant in Vegas, which is at the Aria. I'm not a big Mexican food guy, but they have a amazing skirt steak and I just literally do the skirt steak. That's it with no... They serve it there with rice and beans, but it's kind of like Mexican-style, spicy, so I don't like that. So I get just a, the skirt steak, medium, and then chips, like tortilla chips and stuff, and I'm in heaven. My wife gets the chicken enchiladas, and I think some form of fajitas she got the second night, and she's in heaven. She was awesome, and then I do the hit the flan for dessert, hit the flan, I do have flan there for dessert. First night, we ate at the restaurant second night we had it uh i picked it up and took it to the room so we ate it at the room we were supposed to do carbone the second night but to be honest with you i didn't think the food was all that and carbone the first time i went and it's got a lot of hype here in miami and stuff is always booked but that didn't work we just stayed in so we had brunch one day at the wind which was pretty cool and then Most of the time, the second day, the whole second day at the Aria, we at the pool, which was awesome. Sky Suites pool, it's super hot. But then since there's no humidity, you you're in the pool and it's a little bit cool. But you're out of the pool after a while, it gets real hot. But that part of Vegas is awesome. But everything else is just weird. Now you have to. Before, nothing was really guided, or they had guidelines now. Obviously, I didn't have a car, so you don't have to pay. But you got to pay to park. You they count if you go in and out of places certain times. It's just it's just it's not the Vegas that I knew. So that was the Vegas experience there. Let's get into the perfect game, Rawlings' perfect game. First of all, shout out to Rawlings for bringing me out there. What an event! What an experience! how fortunate, how lucky these kids are to be in this situation. How lucky am I to be able to see these kids in this situation? So Perfect Game has tournaments all year round. Perfect Game has what's called an All-American game, which I think it, it was like 40 kids. I think they said 40 kids, 40 kids from the East, 40 kids from the West, top prospects. In the country, they fly them out to San Diego. The big deal is the Home Run Derby and the game at Petco Park, East versus West. So, day one, beautiful Marriott. Marriott was really nice where the event sat. So, we went to the Marriott. First thing that's the, that I found was awesome was there's a there was a player's lounge. And picture this, this player's lounge was set up right. Three flat screen TVs with couches and stuff for the kids to sit. Each station, I think they were, I don't know, I think there were Playstations, man. I think they were running Playstations. All with MLB The Show 22 or whatever year at. So the players had that option to play. Big screen TV, playing previous perfect games or perfect game events of the year which I saw, that was really cool, then they had two ping pong tables set up, and an air hockey table set up, which was awesome, and I think the biggest home run of that whole thing was a dude there, who's a barber, cutting hair and hooking them up, right at the beginning when you walk into the left, that to me was the game changer, that players can get fresh cuts right there, the new style, new stuff, And by the way, if you don't know, the new style is a borderline mullet. It's the coolest thing. I'm telling you, if I had hair, I would a thousand percent rock it because it's really not a mullet. Like the top part kind of short with the sides and then the back part really long. It's a mullet now where it's like the top part stays long, but you really fade the side like your side, almost to like behind your ear and the back part, you do that low, not skin, but I think maybe like a one or a half on the side, and then everything else grows like that back long, top long, which I think is awesome, so definitely the boys, a lot of the boys are rocking it, that was the most popular haircut by far, and the best starting point to talk to kids, that was amazing, so that whole experience was going on, these players when i tell you what they had waiting for them in the room to me was amazing picture this so you get to the you get to your hotel room okay depending where you're you're staying and what team you are you get either green or blue i'm sorry green you're either red or blue right so an example Blue team. So if you're a blue team, right? Look at all things these kids received. Two perfect game shorts. Two jerseys with your name on it. Two pairs of batting gloves. One from Rawling. And I think the other one was from something gear, something that's a protection thing. It's not evil shield, like some kind of gear stuff, whatever. So you receive that let me see what it is called well you received that two pairs about it one was all white and one was blue you get the stirrup you get you get a hat you get another hat a gray and and white one and the blue one they use for the game you get a practice shirt 15th annual all-american shirt it's like a commemorative thing you get a polo perfect game polo you get g force i think it's g force man yeah g force that's what it is you get a elbow guard you get a chin guard for your for your ankle if you need that you get with your name on it a pair of comfortable sandals with the perfect game thing and the sandals you get two pair of hats there you get Two more shorts that are blue shorts and gray shorts you get a belt you get your pants you get a perfect game long sleeve thing you get two bats wood bats and i think they're the machado style model because they have like the the pine turn in the middle so you get two wood bats you all you also get that they kept the new Rawlings Quattro Max which was amazing and for cleats you get a turf new balance and you get cleats new balance on top of that you get a cool Rawlings baseball bag to put your stuff in there and then you get a cool Rawlings with a perfect game logo on it and your name on it a um, baseball book bag so you could put your stuff in there on top of that, also, so that's when the players were getting there. So all that was going on the first day. Then at nighttime, we went to the University of San Diego. At the University of San Diego, they had, in Philadelphia, they had BP for both sides, BP, and then the little scrimmage. It was cool because the first in the first game, I think his name is Mason McGuire. Mark McGuire's son, he started the game. Mark McGuire was there watching. A lot of professional players, kids were there. So you got to see a lot of these guys that were around. Mark McGuire's kid. CeCe Sabathia's kid. Andrew Jones's kid. Carl Crawford's kid. And a couple more. I think this, that, was, that was really cool. University of San Diego is awesome. It's kind of like, I call it the Pirates of the Caribbean styles, a little elevated feel, very nice, beautiful breeze. It was so cool. And then the players played. I was able to, before that day, I grabbed a bunch of kids as I saw them in the, in the players lounge, and I interviewed him, and I interviewed them, talked to them about, what they, how they got there. We talked about the Rev one x the new glove. I talked about where they were going to college, their mindset, if they valued training more than playing, which was more important. It turns out that almost, I would like to say more of them said the training. A lot of them went for the training. Like their training is what gets them there, that consistency. You have that. Then... We went, that was Friday. Was that? Yep, that was Friday. Saturday, we had the at Petco Park, which was beautiful. That stadium couldn't be nicer. At Petco Park, we had the home run derby. So the home run derby was every player got a certain amount of pitches thrown and timed. And then if you went back to back, you got an extra time and they had that all clocked in and man, it was so fun to see kids who are still kids destroy the ball. They did their first 30 minutes. They had to use the wood and then the next 30 minutes they had to use the, the Quattro Max. And then if they got the bonus or something like that, the last 30 minutes, 30 seconds, these are the seconds. So 30 seconds, wood, 30 seconds, quattro max. And the last 30 seconds, they could pick whatever they want. They go back to wood, quattro max, whatever. I think majority of them obviously went with the, with the quattro max. Guys, bombs. I saw some dudes hit some shots that you're like, wow. Especially left field, top deck where that... Western Steel Company sign is at Petco Park. Just up there. Play pepper with that thing. Couple kids put it on the roof of that. So some big kids. Some 6'5", 6'6", guys. That just destroyed the baseball. That was amazing. That was real cool to see. And then after that, they played. Then they did the home run derby. The kids had their... The kids had their – they had a dinner for them where they had awards of the different cool stuff for their awards placed by the water, which was real nice. And then Sunday was the game. So Sunday was the finale, sandwiched in. The only thing was a little difficult was sandwiched in the Padres game against the Phillies. It was cool because I saw Bryce Harper there on the field. A couple of the Padres players were there on the field too – but it sucks because the players, I think, were a little bit rushed. But the experience, incredible. There's nothing like being in a baseball field, listening to hip-hop on the, the loudspeaker, just at the highest level, just watching kids have fun and competing and everybody's relaxed. I mean, that to me was so special. The weather, amazing there in San Diego. You can't beat California weather. So that to me was very special. Sunday, the finale, the finale is interesting, four dudes, two, I think it was two lefties, yeah, two lefties and two righties, I thought that the righties had the advantage only because it just felt that the right field was was closer, but in in all honesty, the the guys who the one who won it was a lefty, and it's funny because the night before I was with my man Sal Stewart Sr., who his son Cuban here from Miami, from Westminster was up there playing. He goes, "Listen, the best hitter here is that shortstop there, Tamar Johnson. Tamar, I think it's Tamar, yeah, Tamar Johnson. I called him Johnson. Tamar Johnson." 5'9", lefty, with these quads that are out of control, quick, quick, quick hand speed, and this dude destroyed Petco Park. He played Pepper with the second deck in right field, with the first deck in right field, and it's funny because right after the tournament on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, the Baseball baseball America Named him the number one prospect in high school baseball. So he's number one. So that was super cool. He's undecided yet. He hasn't named a college. Said he had like 30 colleges. Reach out to him as you can imagine. But I don't think that dude's going to play in college. With that said, let me transition to the part that this, this I think is the most important part for me. For parents. And for players that listen to this. But for parents. Okay. I, without knowing... I'm just interviewing people. I don't know who anybody is. But I got to interview who people think is the number one prospect. Next year's draft, probably the number one overall pick. A lot of people are saying is this kid, Elijah Green. He's at IMG in Orlando. My man's 6'3", I think runs a 6 flat 60, is a beast. Looks like a linebacker in football. Destroys the ball. Complete athlete. Super nice kid, man. So you would think a guy that strong, big, has everything going on would be arrogant. Super nice. Just just good dude to talk to. Spoke to other kids. Had my boy, Mule, told me he threw 99 miles per hour. 16 years old from New Jersey. In the game, ended up throwing 100 for the first time. That was a big deal. He's a two-way player. Also Can hit and he's a closer through 100 miles per hour at 16 years old. I was talking to a friend and he told me that he had spoken to Ryan Braun and Brian Braun to his, and he asked Ryan Braun why, why are players so big now? Like big. And he said something interesting. He goes because of concussions in football. You got a lot of football players parents And kids that usually would play football that are just sticking with baseball. And you could tell because a lot of these kids are big, man. They're just big. So I had conversations with probably the top 10 prospects in the 2020 draft that are ranked. Kids that are going everywhere from Vanderbilt to Arkansas to Stanford to LSU to Miami. Top colleges in the country. And parents, when I tell you, when I ask these kids, what's the secret? And I have it on video so you don't see I'm lying. What's the secret for kids, for you guys, that everybody wants to be where you're at, to make it, to be where you guys are at? Any advice you would tell your younger self, pretty much all of them said, be who you are, have fun, and prepare. Be who you are, have fun, and Prepare. You can't prepare if you're not having fun because if you're not having fun, you feel that you're forced to do something and then you can't prepare extra because you're being forced. So across the board, every single kid told me that this was fun. And then when I asked them, I go, hey, did you have, does your parent push you? Are they like annoying with this baseball thing, whatever? None of them said the parents pushed you so one dude i think said his parents were on him but everybody else says the parents should support him and show up and i i relate that to me personally because every time i went to a showcase or i did something me in my career it was just an immense amount of pressure because the pressure my family my dad had on me it just wasn't fun And all these guys have their own swag. They got the cool haircuts. And I would have paid on my life if, God forbid, I did a cool mullet, I did a cool-ass mullet, and I got destroyed that weekend, and I didn't do do anything, I didn't hit the ball, whatever. I would have just gotten grilled all the way home. And it was because I'm worrying about being, look how stupid this is. It was because I, I wasn't successful because I was worried about having a mullet and the way I looked. Versus focusing on hitting a baseball. How stupid is that? That's what I dealt with. And sadly enough, that's what 80% of kids now deal with. Which is parents who have no idea in their head. Telling them what to do. Ruining the relationship with the kids and the coach. Stuff like that. One of the highlights was I got to sit down with Sal Stewart Sr. And I told him, I go, buddy, let me tell you something. Your ear must ring at least twice a day because I've mentioned him in an example with his son's career all the time. I, I've seen you, and then I tell people, but I've seen you, Sal Sr., in a cage with your son. Not say one word. Not one word about a swing, an elbow, a pivot, pulling a ball, not pulling a ball during a whole workout, probably like for 40 minutes and the dad not say a word. And he goes to me, Hector, when my son turned 12 years old, I said, that's it. I'm done coaching him. I'm going to turn him over to the best coaches that I can find him in the best situation I'm going to hire him if he can, the best instructors, the best trainer, and I'm going to become a ball boy. And I'm this kid's ball boy. And as long as that I see that on his own, he's motivated to be the best he can be, I'm there to support him. I'm there to have his back. Saul is one of the best players in the country. Six foot three, third baseman. Committed to Vanderbilt, signed to the Boris Group with Scott Boris. Probably pinnacle of where you would want your kid if he was a senior in high school who happens to have a 4.0 also, which is crazy. How can you get a 4.0 and be the best players, the best player in the state, best player he's up there in the competition, best player in the country and have a 4.0? That is crazy. And a lot of the stuff that dad says is, look, it's the kid. And what that tells me is, and I've said this a lot and I'll keep saying it. Parents think they could hack their kid's talent. They can't. A lot of times people confuse me when I say, let's make this fun. They think it's all, let's make this into a play date. No, no, I don't say make it into a play date. But what I say is, if your kid's having fun doing something, then they're going to want to get better at it. And then that's where the discipline to go through the adversity, the being uncomfortable, the slumps, whatever it is, they go through that. But if you make the sport a nightmare like they did for me, you're going to spend your last years wishing, wishing that baseball was over. And luckily for me, I don't regret a single thing. I hate that I got abused through the sport. I hate that I got beat up because of the sport. I hate the time that I went through it. But look, it made me the person I am today. And I get to share this message with you guys on this show. And the message is, Sal told me after after the age of 12, this kid was going to have to on his own show me. Every single day that he's willing to do something for his baseball. Whether it's go to the backyard and do dry swings, work on his catching, throw. He asked me to go hit. He asked me to hit him ground balls. He has to initiate. He has to start the process of us training. It wasn't me anymore. I'm not going to be on top of this kid to train, to get better, to work. That's on his own. That to me is so important because the amount of parents that I see, that I speak to, that do the reverse, they pressure the kid, they force the kid to do stuff, they insult the kid, they abuse the kid, they hit the kid, all these negative things and their kid doesn't respond and guess what happens because they come and tell me 10 years after, 15 years after, 20 years after, they live with regret because of that moment. And trust me, guys, us kids, we never forget. We never forget who treated us good, and we really never forget who treated us bad. And the bad thing for me is that these are parents that are really good people. But for some reason, that baseball field has something that it turns Dr. Jekyll into Mr. Hyde, and it makes people go crazy. It makes parents who are regular civilians try to become general managers in recruiting players and their kid's friends to go to another team so that their kid can win winners do not do that again winners do not do that i spoke to the best players in the country there wasn't one kid that told me no my dad decided to become a general manager for my 11u team and we orchestrated and we recruited the best players that no they just play. And the beauty of just playing is people see your talent. And then from there, they either grab you to put you on a team or they grab you to do different stuff. So, moral of the story, guys, just play. You don't have to play in a million tournaments. You don't have to do Cooperstown. You don't have to fundraise for your kids. You don't have to do GoFundMe's. You don't have to do anything. Just play. And good things will happen if your kid is good enough and and plays. And if he plays and good things don't happen in that sense of getting to a scholarship to a school or getting to an All-American game or being the best in the country, it's okay. Because the world, once again, doesn't need more baseball players or more baseball players' parents. We need more good people. We need people that want to live in a society They want to be empathetic for each other. Who want to raise their kids. Who want to have a special relationship with their spouses. Who want what's best for the community. While competing, while winning. That's what we need. People are going to inject positivity into the system. Not hatred. Not negativity. Not frustration of dreams that they wish they had, but they never accomplished. So the number one thing once again like i said after i covered the rawlings perfect game but hey now i got it from the best baseball players in the country and guess what i just got it from the best high school players in the country you want to get to that level if you're blessed to have the physical tools physical tools to get there that's one number two if you're blessed To have the mindset, the correct mindset to get there, that's two. And number three, if you're lucky enough to have the parents, guardian, friend, whoever is guiding your career to be able to encourage you, motivate you, not abuse you, not put you down and support you to take you to the tournaments, to have your uniform washed, get you the right gear at some point. If you can do those three things, then things are going to look good. And you see what happened, guys. Please trust me on this. It's what I asked every single player. I asked them about their parent, asked about the relationship, and you'll see that as I post it on my YouTube and my Instagram and my social. That's coming up soon. Listen, it's been a hundred episodes. For those of you that have stuck with me all the way through, I can't thank you guys enough, man. If what'll make me happy, in all honesty you dm me on instagram i'm not gonna post it so don't worry about it because man some of you guys don't want when i repost if i feel like they don't like it so i'm not gonna post it but i'll be appreciative if you hear this episode this point right now text me dm me 100 if you have my number text me but if not dm me 100 because now you've reached the last part of the show and i've known you listen to my whole thing and i i'm so grateful i'm so grateful For your help, I've done this all on my own with the man upstairs and I continue to do a hundred more. It's your coach. I love all you guys at Coach HP on all social handles. Thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. Big things are always around this podcast because this podcast is blessed. I'm telling you, I know what I'm doing with this. I've been around for 42 years. I failed more than anybody. And when something hits, it hits. This podcast is hitting. But I have this long term. Would I love to have the hottest numbers and do the numbers a lot of these podcasts doing? Yes. But I got to wait for my time. I'm still developing. I'm still new. Uh, But I'm controlling the two things I control, which is effort and attitude. And I'm building relationships. And I'm bringing people together. I can't thank you guys so much for the support again. Remember, at the end of the day, keep going hard and do your thing. Thank you.